Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, here to help you find success in all areas of your life. The power is in your hands. Join our network for free at besteveryou.com. And now, here's Elizabeth. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Best Ever You Show. We should be live with author Frank McKinney here in just a little bit. Frank's the author of Aspire, How to Create Your Own Reality and Alter Your DNA. Frank, uh, um, I'm going to see if I can get him on the phone. In the meantime, here we go. We can, um, I think our show is working. I think we're here, right, Frank? We here? I'm here. We're here. All right. Here. This time it works. Sorry about that, everybody. We had a little bit of a technical glitch, so I appreciate you all following us over to the live show here, a half an hour delayed, which is which is just fine. But we're going to start out with, um, with the website, because I know a lot of you guys like to look at your phones and look at your computers and stuff while you're listening. So head on over to theaspirebook.com for more information as we chat with Frank. We also have a live chat going with the show. And so we have author and uh, real estate developer Frank McKinney with us. He's uh, here to talk about his latest book. It's called Aspire, How to Create Your Own Reality and Alter Your DNA. Frank, welcome to the Best Ever You Show. Hey, Elizabeth. One thing you can never, ever utter the word developer. That is something I am not. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that is a bad word. I am a, a real estate, estate artist. artist. Yes. We don't, we, we don't want to be thrown in that same category as developers. Developer. Yeah, you know what? I'm sorry. You're, that's, that probably made you cringe. Sorry about that. Yeah, that, you know, there's a difference for you. I'm thinking about it now as I, as I just kind of I'm thinking about real estate, and that's, my, that's the word. But you have a different word for it because, really, you've sold and developed and designed. I've developed, there's, there's again, artist, artisted 44 oceanfront mansions on speculation, and, the, and those are millions of dollars. Millions. Yes, I'm just I'm just giving you a hard time. So technically, yes, I'm a developer. But in my new book, Aspire, I, I have one of the 25 chapters. Chapter 11 is titled "Take an Artist Approach to Your Craft." Regardless yeah. of what you do for a living, we need to take an artist approach to our craft. So you know, I create I create artistry on a sun-drenched canvas known as the Atlantic Ocean mm-hmm. in the form of these beautiful oceanfront homes that are built without a buyer. So like Van Gogh, Renoir, or Monet, or your favorite painter or sculptor or artist. I build these and then put a for sale sign in the yard. I, I create them based upon what I believe the ultra wealthy will want before they even know they want it. And then we mm-hmm. fully furnish them. I uh, have been doing that for over 30 years and they've all sold. So 44 houses with an average selling price of around $14 million. So that's why I, I'm, I'm very fond of the title real estate artist. It was actually given to me about 20 years ago by the wall street journal. Oh, beautiful. Yep. Well, we'll continue to use it because um, that's, that's exactly who you are. And, and I just had a lovely conversation with you over on our live video show, uh, which everybody, you guys can go to the conversations group or to the Best Ever You Network group over on uh, Facebook. And we were live on video for about a half an hour. And I think, Frank, what I left, when I left the video with you, I wanted more. And I know when we hang on video for a long time, it creates these huge files that are hard to upload and move around. So I kind of cut off at a half an hour. But I'd love to invite you back for like an evening with Frank McKinney and um, really have a have a good hour show with you where we can get our audience asking questions and stuff like that. Would you be interested in doing that maybe? Yeah, you know what's been happening is because this book has been so popular, as, as my new book, Aspire, How to Create Your Own yeah. Reality and Alter Your DNA, there's, there's five sections in that book, Elizabeth. And so what, what I've been doing is 
maybe we work on a section or discuss a section one day, or if we have a long period of time, like an evening with Frank McKinney, we can take it right. section by section because each section is, is created in sequence so that the reader can live a life of aspiration and, and ultimately be able to create their own reality and, and alter their DNA. So I'd love to come back and, and, and take okay. – or you pick a section. We can spend the whole evening on a section. Okay, cool. So I'll quiet my head down on that one because I really felt, oh, man, I wanted to talk to him more. And, and um, you can see when you hang on video in um, Facebook, more and more and more people join. And so it's, it's hard, though. So you've got to strike that balance. So what I'd love everybody to do is grab a copy of the book. And we'll have a night with Frank, and, and we'll make sure that we really cover your questions. Because I saw him kind of coming in at the end. I'm like, ah, I'm not going to get to all your questions. Um, but I see him, and we'll ask him here right now, uh, some of them anyway, and then we'll come back. But um, oh, it was good to see you, like actually see you. Yeah. When you were on this show before, <laughs> I, I couldn't see you. Um, I saw pictures no, you, of you. No, show has evolved, man. What a good show. Like, you and I were together almost 10 years ago, and uh, – yeah, today, for those of you who were watching, or actually, if you're watching, you know what I'm about to say. If you are listening for the first time, we were speaking, at least I was coming to, to Elizabeth from my Oceanfront Treehouse office, where yeah. I wrote all seven of my books and where I designed all these houses. So, yeah, it was good to see you. And, and maybe next time yeah. when we do an evening with Frank, we do it on video, we'll, we'll flip the camera around and show you the ocean. Oh, yeah, that'd be so much fun. And, and I'd love to meet you in person. We, uh, one, of my sons plays, uh, one of our sons plays college baseball. And so we hang out in Florida and South Carolina and North Carolina and all that good stuff here and there. So next time I'm there, I'm, I'm coming to see you. Give you a big hug and tell you how, how cool you are for all the stuff you do. Um, so let's, boy, I don't know where to, I want to talk about the book, but one of the things that is so best ever you of you is your Caring House Project. Can I start there? Yeah, let's start there because that's actually where the book ends, is I do give <laughs> a, a the, whole, the whole fifth section is titled – from rich to enriched, to whom much is given, much is required. So I, I hope by the time you get to the fifth, the fifth section, which is chapters 21 through 25, that, that you'll be open to allowing me to move you from rich, which, you know, you read the, the first four sections, you, you might have a roadmap to become whatever your definition of rich is. But my definition of rich begins where the word enrich ends, and, and that is, is the key. So so being a Christian, I'm not going to you know, shove the Bible down your throat or pound on the pulpit, but there's a passage from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verse 48, that says, to whom much is entrusted, much is required. To whom much is given, much is expected. And regardless of if you're into religion or not, it's a great life mantra. It's a great way to live your life. So I had been entrusted with quite a bit. I came out of high school with a one-point GPA, seven stints in juvenile detention, four high schools in four years. I was able to be blessed with this professional highest calling, building houses on the ocean for the ultra-wealthy, what's my spiritual highest calling? And I didn't even know I had one back, you know, 20 years ago when I started the Caring House Project Foundation, which, listen, I'm a 1.8 GPA out of high school linear thinker. I am a simpleton. And that simpleton says, I provide housing to the ultra-wealthy who really don't need another house. They have houses all over the world. I love what I do, and they're beautiful, and I sell them. What about the desperately poor and homeless who have no shelter whatsoever, and especially in a country like Haiti that has no social service program to catch the indigent? So we have built now 29 self-sustaining villages in 26 different cities in the last 19 years in the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. 
through our Caring House Project Foundation. Beautiful. And I liken myself to being a philanthro-capitalist. A philanthro-capitalist is someone who takes the best of philanthropy, gets rid of the worst, and the worst part of philanthropy to me is charity, because charity exacerbates poverty. You marry the best of philanthropy with the best of capitalism, and we create self-sustaining villages, typically comprised of 50 houses, so 50 times 8 is 400 children that are now benefiting from a self-sustaining existence in one of our 29 villages. And that's, you know, honestly, the, the second chapter of the book talks about leaving a legacy. My legacy won't be the oceanfront mansions I've built. I know that for a fact. Those will be rubble in, you know, 20 years because the land has become so expensive, the houses get torn down. But in Haiti, generally, generationally, we have been impacting these families for 20 years, and that will go on and on and on far beyond when I'm, I'm dead. So I hope that people understand when they're listening to this and hopefully get a copy of the book that they'll realize they have a professional highest calling, what they do for a living, they put food on the table, but what's their spiritual highest calling? And Aspire teaches you how to determine what that is. Love it. I want to go back to GPA for a second. Is that okay? Yeah. Go to, yeah. Go to GPA yeah. for a minute. Just a lesson for everybody out there. What do you think it, the, the world would be like if our GPA wasn't an indicator of how great we are or that we're going to be? I think most measurement systems, be it GPA or monetary measurement systems or number of zeros behind your first digit in your bank account, really skews joy, skews the, the S-K-E-W-S, like takes joy potential away from this thing we call living. I, mm. listen, I, I, you're I brilliant. have a horrible GPA. <laughs> Obvious, you're brilliant. Well, I, I, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm brilliant, but I wasn't challenged in school, so that was reflected. And I got A's in creative writing because I love to write, hence my writing my books. And I knew someday I would be counting a lot of money, so I paid attention in math. Every other subject kind of bored me, other than making jewelry. I love there was a jewelry class that I did really well in. Mm-hmm. But so so my here's 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 how that has trickled down to my my daughter. I have a 23 year old daughter. When she was going through school, Elizabeth, if she brought home a C, it meant, C, I'm smart. <laughs> I never put uh, uh, pressure on her to perform with her grades. I, I don't even know what her GPA was out of high school. I don't even know how she did in college. But what I do know is that my daughter was president of the 46,000 student body campus at Penn State University. She's president Beautiful. of every single one of those kids. How she got into Penn State, because she didn't have the GPA to get in, I don't know, but I think the leadership that was reflected on her, her transcript, yeah. you know, she was president of her senior class. And just, so those kind of lessons, I think, are way more important. I never put pressure on, and if she got a detention, we went to Applebee's. Because, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's just being human. Sure. There's no pressure and it, you know what? It, and look at what happened to my daughter. She thinks now as she looks back, oh, Daddy, you were just in, in this long, like prolonged um, reverse psychology experiment. Not true. I, you know, I just didn't put an emphasis on the GPA. I put it on her leadership, on her growth, on her being a, 
you know, solid young woman, and boy, did it pay dividends. She just started her own company. She was in New York City by herself, moved there during the pandemic, and just started her own business at age 23. Awesomeness. That's just pure awesomeness. You go, girl. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about the time when, as you're talking there, I, I, just our kids, I just, I so believe in paying attention to what you just said. You know, I had a kindergarten teacher call me in, and, and she was all distraught over our, our youngest son's artwork. <laughs> I'm like, what? What's wrong with that? You know, kind of thing. He's like, oh, all he does is scribble. It's just scribble all over. Just scribble, scribble, scribble. And he had taken a huge, giant poster board and just scribbled all over it, it appeared. And then my husband and I, because we went in, because we're like, mm, he's not much of a scribbler, but we're going to go in and pay attention if you don't think he's paying attention to you kind of thing. We went in and we looked closely and I'm like, oh, lady, you got it wrong. I'm sorry to tell you, but that is the entire Star Wars movie screen by <laughs> section by section. By Those screen. are wing fighters Beautiful. and they're moving. He's drawing movement. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, so I don't know. <laughs> kids are kids, right? Well, if I look at some of the best impressionist artists. You look at them if you didn't think you knew if they didn't have their name behind the art. You think that that was something that a kindergarten would draw, but no, it's worth fifty million dollars and being sold by Christie's auction house. You know, look, look at look at watercolors. I mean, look at some of Van Gogh's yeah. paintings. You wouldn't think, but maybe you got a little Van Gogh on your hands there. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, anyway very interesting. But you know, I just I believe in really. Um, what what were your what were your strengths? As a kid, I'm fascinated um, by you. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm fascinated by people. I'm particularly fascinated by you. So I'm asking you all sorts of crazy questions. But what were well, your I strengths mean, as a I, kid, I, kindergartner? I, my strengths were were really weaknesses at the time because I had I had so I've been when, I've been diagnosed as, as a youngster. Well, not really as a youngster because they didn't really know back then. But as a as an adult with ADHD, ADD, OCD, and ODD. And in the book, I talk about how you can use those as rocket fuel for good. I mean, really, I, 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 oppositional defiant disorder. Let's use that as an example. I build houses at, uh, on, on the ocean front for prices and put things in there that nobody – so I'm defying conventional wisdom by doing what I do for a living. I'm yeah. so grateful that my parents didn't stick me in front of some therapist or fill me full of medication to take away what I consider are gifts. Gifts, ADHD, ODD, you know, they're, they're absolute gifts once you know how to handle them and harness them. So, so some of the things in kindergarten that would have not been perceived as being strengths, they would have been weaknesses, turn out to be strengths later on in my life. Like I, 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 I knew back then that, the, you know, suffering from a, a little bit of attention issue it's just that I wasn't being stimulated enough. And that, you know, that's nothing new because people have a little bit of it. We, by the way, we all have attention deficit. We don't all have attention deficit disorder when it becomes a disorder. But given our attention spans and the flood of information that we try to process on a short, you know, in a short period of time, unfortunately, until we slow it down and turn off some of these screens that we're looking at, primarily our phone screen, we all have this attention deficit. You know, so when I look back at pictures of little Mickey, it was Mickey McKinney back when I was in, in uh, kindergarten, first grade, you could kind of see there, even the way I would dress and, and the way I was in class, I, I didn't have a lot of friends. I was kind of a loner, but, you know, it, it, it turned out okay. Yeah, I, that, I so believe in t- taking, if you can, if you have your own kids, to take a look at kind of what their strengths and weaknesses are and, and 
move the weaknesses into strengths. It's one of the most interesting things. And then amplify the, the strengths if you can. But every one of our guys has shown some tendency towards something at a little age. Like the, we just use Quinnett, for example. He's 24 now. He's just always look up, always looking up at the stars and the sky. And you'd think he was daydreaming, you know, like what in the world, you know, kind of quiet, looking all around, just a listener. He's a meteorologist now getting his master's mm. degree, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Oh. And yeah. yeah. And um, the the other little one, Cam, he would throw everything. You're like, Oh God, that's annoying. <laughs> you know, just throwing everything all the time. And you're like, stop. Throw-. You can't say stop throwing either. Cause you knew you had a baseball player on your hand. And so he's a lefty pitcher. And so when huh. you, yeah, it's, it was very interesting. And the, and the two other two as well. And, and so forth. But um I, I'm glad that they they didn't do that too, to you because you know you need you need all the things to do what you do. I mean that that's incredible. Perfect. Almost I want to talk to you about perfectionism because there's an element of there's some people that you want to have an element of perfectionism to them, like your surgeon, perhaps you building a house. <laughs> you know, there's there's an element yeah. of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, we say best so ever you, not perfect ever you, but mm. <laughs> the best ever, exactly. And I, I accept the fact that you know, as a real estate artist, I have this creative liberty to to make mistakes, to take chances. Let, let's jump off on take chances, and then we'll even go back to the kids. So, so the other thing I had as a young person was I was a big risk taker, but it was destructive risk taking. When I was raising my daughter, this is a silly little example, but it just kind of shows you why she turned out the way she did. When we would travel, we traveled a lot, was just, and I only have one child. So when I would go to Haiti, she'd go with us. I'd go to a speaking event, she'd go, she'd go with us. Cool. Uh, even on part of my book tour, she would travel with me. So I, when we were in the airport, I always, at the beginning, made her, walk, and sometimes I had to bribe her, but she did it, <laughs> go down the opposite direction of the moving sidewalk. So you've got all these people moving towards you because that is a microcosm for life the little yeah. girl so let's say she's five and she's crying and there's a little girl you're going to get hurt little girl shouldn't do that little girl you're going the wrong way little nobody does this little girl that's life that's how life's thrown at you and for a decade elizabeth at the other end yes there might be a candy bar or a stuffed toy or something but i made her do that and she had to learn how to express herself well, even at the beginning, my daddy's making me do this. or But she would get to the other end of a sidewalk <laughs> yeah. that was moving in the opposite direction. That's how life – and then when she went to run for president of Penn State, you, you can imagine the people saying bad things about her, no girl should oh, yeah. do this, and it's a guy, thing, blah, blah, blah. But that, that little example of, of making her – and then after a while, she kind of liked it when she got to be like 10, 12 years old. She liked going the opposite direction because isn't that what's rewarded today? You're not doing what everybody else does. It's taking that, yeah. that machete out and carving your niche a little deeper and wider than most. And that simple, silly little exercise of going down the opposite direction in the airport was something that she learned to do, and she still does it. Oh, you know, as, I'm, as you're talking, I'm thinking, I need to make you a T-shirt that says, Best Girl Dad Ever. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> for you. Oh, my gosh. Dads oh. that are great with their girls, they're so special. You know, great fathers yeah. anyway. Well, as a whole, whether it's I got male it. or female, but oh I my gosh! I got to jump up on this. She, she just—I mean, your your listeners will appreciate this. So, one of my books is a young reader fantasy novel. It's titled "Dead Fred: Flying Lunchboxes in the Good Luck Circle." It kind of competed with 
Potter and Twilight and Hunger Games and Narnia and stuff. That book was based on the fact that I walked my little girl to school every single mm. day from pre-K to eighth grade. That's 10 years and 1,652 consecutive walks to school. She never backseat of a car. If it was raining or hurricane or whatever, we still did it. We still, and if I happened to be out of town, which was a few times, my wife would walk her. So never once did she sit in the backseat of the car. And the purpose of that was for me and, and her was to have that dad and daughter time. I mean, we lived a yeah. mile from school. It's going to take us 15 minutes to walk there every day from pre-K, which was about 20 minutes because our legs were really short, to the eighth grade when she was about my height, and it took us eight minutes because she, you know, she walked really fast. That time, those 10 years were my most cherished times in my life was spending time with her, walking to school every single day. I love it. Yep. You, you should meet my husband. He, he, we made a decision a, a while ago, a long time ago, actually, to never miss an event with any of the four boys, never miss a baseball game or a chorus concert, whatever, you know, whatever it was going to be, never miss it. And, um, and we haven't. They, they won't yeah. forget it. And they will, they no, will they you're don't. raising them with, without saying a word, you, you, you're raising them the right way. Yes. Yeah, we had we we had one night where we almost did. We had all four of them playing. You know, they're two years apart, so they all played little league together. And so we had one night where there were two of us, and they were each on one of the four fields at the complex. <laughs> so we were like, "Did you have to do switch?" <laughs> it was really funny to get to all the games. But yeah, so that's you know that's that's what it's all about. And and I love the fact that you've written in the title of Aspire, which we're gonna. You know, we'll go back to the book here, but, you know, we have these chats and they're, they're deeper than the book and they're get to know you as a person and who you are, but create your own reality. Why is that so important? And I am going to throw in COVID on this one too, because a lot of people were like, Whoa, what am I doing with my life? And, and COVID halted their life and they had to completely redo. We were kind of already at home and doing the things that we do, working businesses from our house and so forth. And so we didn't have that giant, like, impact of, like, rearranging our whole life. Um, you know, we, we didn't have to create a new reality in that way. I do want to throw that in there because people are trying to find that right now. Well, I mean, this, this creating your own reality is, is certainly not COVID-specific. It's something that, no. that I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer, and, and at least I'd be a firm believer. I, I have become, as I was writing this book, you know, you start writing a book before a book comes out, you're writing it two years before. And even before that, the, the thesis behind the chapters and the titles and the sections that are in your mind that I, I'm becoming concerned that more people are allowing outside forces to create reality for them rather than create their own. And I, you and I mentioned on the, you know, on the video, you know, on, on your uh, on Facebook about, you know, the three screens, the little screen, which is your phone, the middle screen, which is your laptop, the big screen, which is the TV creating reality for us. And, and totally. I look back, I'm coming to you today from my, re- my treehouse. I, 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 there's a reason I work in a treehouse. It's because I'm able to create my own reality up here. People that work for me can work from home. I mean, I'm not, I'm not an isolationist, and I'm not a loner, but we need that space that allows us to create our own reality rather than succumbing to someone else's who's, who, who have taken upon themselves to create that reality for us. That's yeah. something that... You know, we need, to be, we need to learn, and it's actually a chapter, chapter 12 of my book, we need to learn to accentuate and amplify our essence. 
you know, the thing that sets uh-huh. us apart, to, 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 to be brave enough to live our inside on the outside. And not many people are, and that's part of creating your own reality rather than having it dictated to you by COVID, by the news, by the Republicans, by the Democrats. No, no, enough of that. And, and so the book, in the end, well, actually throughout the whole book, through aspiration, because motivation washes off and goes down the drain with a soap at night, inspiration lasts about as long as a bad sunburn, but aspiration is transformation throughout your entire life. It becomes part of your DNA, Elizabeth, and allows you to create your own reality. Beautifully put. Yeah. We, um, we moved to Maine in 2004 from California where my husband, I was at home with four boys. They were like zero, two, four, six, let's just say, and with me praying for a shower. <laughs> and my husband was commuting two and a half hours each way to work. And then he got sick and we were like, um, okay, so five hours a day commuting into San Francisco isn't working. What are we going to do? And we moved up into our second home in Lake Tahoe. And then that was like, well, what are we going to do for a job and that kind of thing? And then this popped up in Maine and, um, we moved here for a job, but end up, ended up having our own business. And um, it's just been the most interesting progression of events toward a more and more, my husband, we call it Kazen a lot, but we, you know, toward a more and more peaceful existence and kind of growing up along the way. You know, we've been married you know, nearly 25 years and, um, you know, you just learn so much in, in the journey of life. So I was going to ask you about you're incredible, an incredible yes or an incredible best or both. We have a thing on the best ever you called the incredible yes. It's a, it's a moment where you said yes to something or someone and it changed your life. And you might have more, more than one, but just talk maybe about one or two of them. Moment in your life where you said yes to something or someone and it completely changed your life. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I, I live by that mantra, and there's a chapter in my very first book that says, say yes more than no. I, I look yeah. for reasons to say yes, and, and and I don't, most people are the opposite. You know, fear keeps them back, it holds them back, and they decide to say no to almost every opportunity that presents itself. I mean, re- saying, going all the way back to when I was a tennis pro, making a hundred grand a year, uh, having a great, making a great living from a, this juvenile delinquent to making a hundred grand by the time I was 19, I had a Ferrari when I was 19 because of my ten- earning money as a tennis pro. I said yes to leaving the tennis court and getting into real estate when I had a very secure, fun job teaching tennis beautiful people as a 19, 20-year-old, basically saying, <laughs> you know, that is a, there, there's a limit to that, and I'm going to say yes to another risk, which was leaving my tennis rackets at home and buying and selling crack houses. You know, that, that was a yes. And the other one that, that probably is even more significant is I refer to, to certain things in life that are insurmountable, incomprehensible, and impossible. It's just the three I's, insurmountable, incomprehensible, and impossible. I had that laid upon my heart in 2004 when I learned about the Badwater 135-mile ultramarathon, the toughest foot race in the world, according to the National Geographic, that runs through the Death Valley Desert in the summertime in 125 degree heat where the pavement's over 200 degrees. You're running on blacktop pavement. I had that race present itself to me and I said, yes, I'm going <laughs> to hire a coach. 
I'm, I, I never run a marathon in my life, and I never heard the word ultra marathon in my life. Yet, <laughs> I certainly altered my DNA, hired the coach, did the training, and now, Elizabeth, I, I have run that race 12 times. I've failed wow. five, but I've made it seven. That was probably the most transformational yes I ever said. Oh, I love that. I need to do a blog just about that. I love what you just said. I failed five, but I made it seven. That's like a that's like baseball. You strike out a gajillion times. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know all the yeah. baseball statistics, but yeah, you know. But your but your success because you, you know you every you know you've got the right statistics and stuff. But yeah, I love that. Never give up, right? Well, there's a, yeah, there's a chapter in, in, in Aspire that's titled Relentless Forward Motion, and it's basically an entire chapter where I tell the stories of times at like mile 105 in the race when I have, I have sleep deprivation, I'm hallucinating, I'm puking. And how is it that I keep going forward? And then not every time I did, you know, sometimes I failed, but on the times that I, you know, was able to continue to proceed down that race course, maybe it was at two miles an hour, but I'm still relentlessly moving forward. That, that none of those lessons would have, I would have been able to share, nor would I have been able to experience if I hadn't said yes to the insurmountable, the incomprehensible, and the impossible. Hmm. We've got two, two, a minute or two left. I don't want to keep you past time here because you've got, a, you've got some place to be at one. Do you have a, just like two more minutes, three more minutes, so we can wrap up? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, what's something that I, I ha- we haven't talked about that you want to make sure people hear you on before we go? Oh. <laughs> I, mean, I have too I, many I don't questions want to, to ask like you. So. <laughs> no, that's no, all right. Go it's for just it. really, I, I would encourage people to go to, a, you know, aspire in 2022, aspire in 2022.com. And on that, it's, a, it's been called Disney on a desktop, PC mm-hmm. Magazine, because it's such a cool web page that you can read a sample chapter in Aspire. You can listen to me narrate a sample chapter on Audible. By the way, my book, I narrated the whole 12 hours and five minutes on Audible. Uh, you can read reviews of the book. I, I just think that, that today, especially, you know, we're in, we're in January and people are still thinking about resolutions, why resolutions and motivations and inspirations won't last and quit beating yourself up over the fact that they don't because as a species, we weren't wired to have them last. What can last, and the whole book is devoted to it, all 366 pages, is aspiration, how it alters the DNA and it allows you, it's almost, as I said in your other program, it's this otherworldly passion for your purpose. It's sacred. And once you latch on to it or them, I've had five aspirations in my life, it's, it's lifelong. It's not like a New Year's resolution or a goal that you either attain or you don't, and then you move on. And aspiration stays with you for life. So go to Aspire in 2022.com, click on it read the free chapter, listen to the free chapter, read the reviews, and then hopefully pick up a copy because every every copy we sell provides 200 meals in one of our orphanages in Haiti. Beautiful. Beautifully put. It was so nice to catch up with you again. Congratulations on your new book. I'm I'm Thank you. So, yeah, I'm 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 loving it and I hope you'll uh I hope you'll join us more and become a bigger part of the Best Ever You network. You, um, your messaging well, let's do is, is beautiful. With Frank. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Let's yep. Do absolutely. It. And, a, and, a, and a blog about your marathon, if you don't mind. That's, 
that's pretty yep. cool. And that, we can do a whole show a lot on of people. that, absolutely. Yeah, we, we have a lot of people who, who run marathons, and I don't. Um, so I, I like to have other people talk about that. I'm, I'm more of a, like a, I walk a lot, but I'm a former gymnast, um, but not a runner, not, not, not a runner. And, and I actually don't want to be a runner. So I'm good. <laughs> it's not something I aspire well, listen, to do. In, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the sport of ultra marathoning, there's plenty of walking and the importance of walking. Yeah. It's not a race. It's an effort of survival, which is just what is exactly what life is. So yeah, we'll do a, we'll do a little, little piece on the bad water race too. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you all for listening and following us over onto the live podcast again. Um, the Best Ever You Show. We've been around since mm, around 2010 now. We're one of the older podcasts around. And uh, we have millions of downloads and no advertising. So when we have guests like Frank McKinney on, we love that you share our show. We're all word of mouth. No, Absolutely no advertising. And I mean that. We don't throw fake traffic at the show or anything. It is all real, live, and actual downloads. So um, we, you, I love how you all embrace us. You embrace our guests. And remember, you can become a member of the Best Ever You Network for free at besteveryou.com. We did put a blog up about Frank. It has the links to his book, this audio program, the video program. And then as we uh, invite Frank for more things here in 2022, we'll uh, update that or put a new blog out. So thanks, Frank, for being here. Um, and uh, there's another website, theaspirebook.com. His book, again, is called Aspire, How to Create Your Own Reality and Alter Your DNA. And his name is Frank McKinney, and uh, he's one to watch in 2022. So thank you again for being here. Bye, everybody. Love everybody. Right. Thanks, All right, everybody. take care. Have an aspirational day. Love you all. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you tuned in. Be brave, be bold, be you. And remember to visit us at besteveryou.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.